looking at Galatians today, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, appreciate all the music, great music today, great spirit here today, amen. Amen. Alma was singing, someone asked me to sing on a hill far away, but thank you Alma, it was a good song, love that song, Uh, I love the duet this morning, everything was great, God's been so good to us. I was thinking this week, I want to make for everyone here, especially the young people, the good old days right now. And we talk about the good old days, we need to make the good old days right now to where this generation leaves and says, I remember, I remember at Anchor Hope when God reigned and we certainly want him to reign. I'm thankful for our choir. Uh, so many compliments on our choir. I love Harold as a leader. I love the people in the choir. We're so blessed to be here in God's house today. We're looking at Galatians chapter 5. Paul had written this, obviously, explaining two natures. We know those two natures as the old and the new nature. We know we also call it the flesh and the spirit, or the spiritual man and the carnal man. And all of us have those two natures reigning in our bodies. And uh, don't deceive yourself. Don't become narcissistic and think you don't have a problem because you do. We all do. I said last week, we're full of, this room's full of dysfunctional people. All of us are broken by sin. We all have our challenges in life. And so Paul's writing about this. M.R. DeHaan, we mentioned last week, and he and several other, the DeHaan, several scholars talk about the scripture, who shall deliver me from this body of death? We have a rotten body. And that's the verse Paul's talking about relates to the prisoners who had to carry dead bodies uh, to humiliate them because they were criminals. And we carry these dead bodies, and if we're not careful, these bodies will humiliate us. And so we have to be careful. Paul also mentions that uh, we'll be delivered one day from these vile bodies, Philippians 3.21. Romans 8, we groan waiting for new bodies. And uh, we know our bodies, the Bible says, will be dissolved. And I'll be glad for that day when I'll be absent from this body and present with my Lord. Amen? Look forward to that day. Now, if you have your Bible, stand. We're going to read a few verses here. Verses 16 through 19. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. This I say then. He's just con- concluded all that doctrinal section we were picking up last week. Or we're picking up where we started out last week, and we're going to move on to verse 19 momentarily. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary <clears throat> the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that ye would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. If you're led of the Spirit, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest. They're clearly seen, aren't they? Which are these? And last week we talked about adultery and fornication and uncleanliness and lasciviousness. Today we'll pick up in verse 20. But we remember, we didn't say this last week, but the Bible says flee fornication. And I wonder when Paul wrote that under the inspiration of God if he thought about Joseph. You know why Joseph ran? I believe in all my heart that had he stayed, he realized he'd fall. We need to flee fornication. Unfortunately, today, people are running to fornication. But as believers, we're told to flee it. Let's pray. God bless me. 
Bless this church. Bless the preaching today. I need you so much. Everyone needs you today. And God, as we preach against sin, we can't compromise. We have to preach it. No matter how uh, people react to it, we have to preach the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, Lord. And I pray for anyone here who's not right that today they'll make things right. If there's anyone here who's not saved, they'll be saved today. Bless us now, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we read the text about the flesh and the spirit, believe it or not, this week I thought of a funny story about my mother. My mother loved to take pictures, and um, she loved to get the family together and take pictures. And she didn't know how to operate these cameras. You know, the flash is kind of challenging and all the adjustments. And one time she took a picture, and a man knocked, tapped her on the shoulder and said, Ma'am, you just took a picture of your eye. She had the camera backwards. She couldn't get the flash to work. And it reminded me of our, our passage today because her spirit was willing, but her flash was weak. So. <laughs> Anyways, today we pick up. Last week we talked about sexual sins and today we talk about uh, sacred sins. We know that there are two listed here. We mentioned these are sacred because worshiping God is, is all about being sacred. And the two sins that are listed here, two of the 17 sins in this passage, are all about uh, uh, the fact that some people don't worship God. They worship other things in life. The first one mentioned is the word idolatry. Idolatry. And people often think, well, I don't worship idols, Brother Dan. I I don't worship idols, but let me read the definition of idolatry as one scholar puts it. Idolatry is giving something other than God priority in your life. Giving something other than God priority in your life. Do you know the Bible says our God is a jealous God? He hates sin. He hates anything ahead of him. James says we're adulterers, we're cheating on God if we love the world. And so it's pretty easy to see where we do oftentimes commit spiritual adultery. And we talked last week about physical adultery or, or, you know, the sins of our mind. But today we're talking about the actual adultery of loving something ahead of God. Some people love their children more than God. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I'm crazy about them. But there's a priority. There's, there's a priority in your life. And the thing you're supposed to love the most and give the most attention and time to is God. And then, believe it or not, your spouse, even though you want to love your children more than your husband or wife, you have to love your spouse more than your children. But how many people, their whole life is about their children. They don't spend time with God. They pour it all into their children or grandchildren. I love doing that, but I have to keep my priorities straight. God has to be loved first and foremost. I think of great Bible examples of people who love God more than their children. Think of Hannah who wanted a child so bad and finally gets little Samuel. And as soon as he's weaned, probably we believe around two or three years old, out of diapers where he can pretty much get dressed and so forth himself. What does she do with that child? She brings him to the temple and says he's here to serve for his whole life, gives up that child. I love when we have baby dedications and we say, God, we're, we're dedicating this baby to you. This is your child. We want you to have your will and way, not for us to live our lives through our children. I always wanted to be a, a professional athlete, and I wanted my children to be great athletes, and I had to be careful not to live my life through my kids. 
You know, I felt like I, I missed. I had some bad breaks and things didn't work the way I wanted them to work. I'm so thankful now I'm right here today doing what I'm supposed to do. But we have to remember our kids have to have their right place, and that's underneath the mom and the dad and certainly underneath God. And love your children, but remember, keep them in the right place. Abraham, for three days, like like. The world considered Jesus dead, and the disciples thought he was dead for three days. For three days, thought his son was going to die. Thought he was good, good as dead. He traveled on that journey and planned fully to put him to death on that altar, didn't he? He thought he was going to kill Isaac, and he was planning on it until God intervened and said, Stop! Don't do that. I see your heart. And that's a type, of course, of Jesus Christ dying for us. The Bible says the love of money is a root of all evil. Besides sex, we talked about last week, another big downfall is, is money in our world, isn't it? Money and sex rule our world. And as Christians, we have to be careful. Let the peace of God rule our heart. That's a great word. That word rules our word. We get our word umpire from that. And we have to let God rule in our heart through the word, through peace, in obedience to him. But we know the world's all messed up, and I don't want to be messed up with it. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. I think of people who love the Zodiac. Quite often, someone will say, not often, but once in a while, someone will say, what's your sign? I say, what do you mean, what's my sign? They want to talk about the Zodiac. They really think those 12 divisions of the stars, which were, remember, as you know, assigned to the 12 tribes of Israel, they really think that matters. I don't even know what my sign is. I know I'm October, early October. I don't care about that because I know it's just one of the devil's tools. Your horoscope is, is bogus. As my dad used to say, it's just malarkey. You see, there was a time where signs were given in seasons by the stars. The Bible says that in Genesis. He gave stars for signs. And we know they followed the, the star from the tribe of Judah to know where Jesus would be born. The word wise man means astronomer. So we know that's legit. But after Jesus came, the stars no longer speak. They will in the tribulation period. There'll be great things that happen again. But so many people are wrapped up in the zodiac. I think about the demons, and they're the false gods of today, and how they mislead people into worshiping things. The amulets, the Bible talks about amulets, stones or rocks that people worshipped. Today there are rocks that give currency and they use them in radios and so forth. And there's people that have those and they believe they bring them good luck. Even the rabbit's foot can be. I, I can't believe Christians ever believe in luck. But we think about all the things in our society. Shirley MacLaine who had her special stone. And then she said, I am God. And all the new age stuff. I think of the crucifix. People think that brings them special power. If I have a crucifix, I'll tell you, the cross is now empty, by the way. And if I have a cross on, it's going to be an empty cross. But the crucifix, and that's so powerful, you can cast out demons with a crucifix. All, this stuff, all these things are related to idolatry. Then the holy water. The holy water. The beads, the holy water. The only holy water is the water that flowed from Jesus' side. The blood took care of our sin and the water, the stain of sin, they say. That's the only holy water. So, so don't believe in these things. Put your faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Not all these gadgets, these, these isms and these schisms in the person of Jesus Christ. Idolatry certainly is a problem in our world today. 
People go outside of churches and they bow before statues. I remember being in Panama and there's a statue of St. Peter. They thought, I don't know how they know what he looks like. And someone was bowing to that statue. I thought, that's an idol. That's an idol. There are people who worship angels. Colossians says, don't worship angels. We worship one. Amen? The Lord. The one mediator between God and man, and man, Jesus Christ. We worship him, and by lifting him up, we lift God up. God wants us to worship Jesus. So first of all, idolatry. Second of all, witchcraft. Witchcraft. Now mark your Bibles. This is the word pharmacia. It's actually pharmukia. Our word pharmacy comes from that. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Pharmacy. Why is that the word translated witchcraft? It's also... The word sorcery, from the same word, in Revelation 9 and Revelation 18, the word sorcery is from this word, pharmakia, which is the word pharmacia, drugs. We know today people are involved in the drugs, and I'll tell you, the occult works real well with people who are on drugs. The devil loves to manipulate people with drugs, and that's a problem. Look in Acts chapter 19, way back then. Acts chapter 19, verses 19 and 20 I'm here, let me read these two verses. It says, Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Boy, did they invest in the occult, didn't they? And it says, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Prevailed over what? The occult, witchcraft, sorcery, all a problem in today's world as well. And so we have these sacred sins, these things that are wrong. We should worship the Lord, not idols, not witchcraft, all these other things. When I was a kid, my brother brought home a Ouija board. And uh, my dad wouldn't have any of it. <clears throat> you know, my dad, I, I know my dad wouldn't like anything like that. And I don't remember the circumstances, but I know years later we didn't have the Ouija board. Don't know what happened, but I was the fourth oldest in the family, the middle child, and I was one of those really well-behaved middle children. And the three older ones, I could blame it on them, see. But the Ouija board, even things in your own home can be used to give glory to things besides God. Be careful. Be careful. Your truck's not more important than God. Your ball team's not more important than God. You better get your priorities right or God will chasten you. And so we have these sacred sins, idolatry, and witchcraft. Then we look at social sins in the middle of verse 20. The middle of verse 20. We have here social sins. <clears throat> we pick up first and says here, what, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, hatred. Look at 1 John 4.20. 1 John 4.20. Hatred. <clears throat> it's interesting because I have said it and you have said it. We've all said we hate somebody. I hated my sister when I was growing up. Now we're good friends. Could have killed her. Wanted to maybe kill her. Not seriously, but I couldn't stand my sisters. I had four sisters. I felt like all of them tried to keep me straight. Even my younger sister. A few years back, we met in Virginia. I was up there preaching, and she came. We met at a restaurant. She said something about my hair. What's with your hair? And I thought, you're 15 years younger than me. You're correcting me. I'm your elder. I didn't say that, but I thought, oh, brother. I rolled my eyes and picked him back up and put him back in my eye sockets. And, and I thought, what is my little sister correcting me for? I mean, when I, I go home, my older sister, she kind of has my agenda planned. I'm like, come on, man. Great sisters. And sisters, God brought them into the world for accountability, right? 
And they were always the ones that make sure mom and dad knew everything I had done wrong. And I'm thankful for my four sisters. But here it says hatred, hatred. And obviously hatred's the opposite of love, love and hate. But look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. And this is interesting. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's what? A liar. You don't love God if you hate someone. Years ago, I was in Puerto Rico for a summer missions thing. My father-in-law was a military pastor, and he had two assistants on his staff that didn't get along, and they were having a heated argument, and Dad go down, went down there and separated it, and I was standing behind him. I'm supposed to learn. I thought, boy, I don't know if I ever want to be a pastor. And these two guys, were, and Dad separated them, and the one walked off, and the other, said, I'll, the other one said, I'll get even with him. And Dad said, that's the most carnal thing you could say at this time. I'll get even with him. And that's sometimes the way Christians live their lives. They'll get even. I don't like him. That's not forgiving. Forgiving means to let go. To let go. And if you can't find forgiveness in your heart, ask God to give you grace. Because you need a dose of grace to forgive people. It's hard sometimes to forgive. I see things sometimes and I hear things and I'm like shocked because... As someone on TV says they're a Christian and their child was murdered and they can actually go to the jail and meet the prisoner, tell the prisoner, I've forgiven you and I want you to know about the Lord. And I'm like, wow, isn't that awesome that God can do that? God is able, amen, to do exceedingly above all that we ask or even imagine, the word think, imagine. You can forgive, and if, if you hate someone, you're not a follower of God. You're a liar, the Bible says. And so we go back to our text, and we pick up on the next one. We find here hatred. And this next one we find is the word variance. And we look at 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 24. 2 Corinthians 12, 24. Important for you to see this. 2 Corinthians 12, 24. And I'm in the wrong. I can't read my own writing here. I think it's 1221. Let me see. Anyway, um, it is translated. The word is translated. Excuse me here. It's, it's 1220, not 21. Thank you. 2 Corinthians 1220. It says here, for I fear, that's phobia, by the way, lest when I come I shall not find you as such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. Lest there be debates. That word debates is, comes from the same Greek word. Translated here, debates. In our text, it's translated variance. People that just argue all the time. Did you know that's a, a work of the flesh? And we could add to the, the list here. Paul didn't name every sin for work. But here's one. Being argumentative. The word debating, variance. Just constantly arguing. I think some people, just their mission in life is to pick an argument. You ever work with someone that everything you say, they want to argue with it. They don't want to submit to authority. They want to argue. They want to state their case. And that's a sin of the flesh. So Paul says here, variance, arguing, debating is a sin of the flesh. Now, I'm not talking about being on the school debate team. I'm not talking about debating someone over evolution versus creationism. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you live your life to be in, in arguing with people, to, to be in arguments all the time. And that's the sin of the flesh. Simple things, but he points these out. Then back to our text. 
the third one of the social sins, emulations. Another big word, it's our word zealous. Z-E-L-O-S is the English lettering. We get our word zealous and jealous from it. Do you know zealousy and jealousy are related words? Now, we understand jealousy. Jealousy uh, really means to guard or control what is yours. To guard or control what is yours. Jealousy is not always a bad thing. We belong to God. He's jealous. Why, if you were to go home and find your wife in bed with another man, I hope you'd be jealous. I'm not saying to kill the other guy, but you'd certainly be bothered. Jealousy is not always sinful. But in this case, he points out that this is a work of the flesh. So this is obviously sinful jealousy. And I have had ladies come to me in counsel with their husbands sitting there years and years. I've had people say this to me. My husband's a jealous man. Every time I talk to another man, he's upset. And I said, well, he's got a problem. Because if you're living a pure life and your husband doesn't allow you to speak to anyone, to go anywhere, to do anything, he's got a problem, right? A controlling husband is a jealous husband, and he is the problem in a marriage. You have to be careful not to try to manipulate and control every move your wife makes. And... Vice versa, right, man? A man goes out to the grocery store. He gets home. Where have you been? What have you been doing? Why are you late? Well, I've only been 10 minutes. You said you'd be nine minutes and you're 10. So it is a problem in our world. It's a work of the flesh. And maybe there's times to be jealous like God without sin, but sometimes we're just too jealous. And it can be, it's a sin. It's a sin. Then he says here, the fourth one in Galatians 5, wrath. Wrath is best described as anger in action. Anger in action. Outburst of violence. My brother, we were picking blueberries. I did that for a job. I ate so much I didn't make enough. I only turned in a court. They all turned in these cases, and I just was a kid. And he had a guy that was constantly in arguments with him in the, in the blueberry fields, and we're riding home, and we're all on our bikes, and we're up on this big ridge up in Michigan, and... Uh, my brother Randy got up next to him and kicked his bike, and that guy went down that hill 20 feet, man, tumbling his bike and all, and Randy just kept riding. That was wrath. <laughs> Anger in action. I kind of liked it. The guy was a jerk. But, you know, Randy was wrong, but we all understand that feeling of, I'm just going to kill. Yeah, I'm going to rip... Al Allshouse, my assistant pastor in Okinawa, used to say, I'm going to rip his lips off. I don't know where all got that saying. It was an odd saying, rip the kid's lips off. He said it one time about my son. My son had gotten in trouble in school. He said, Pastor, I'm going to rip your kid's lips off. Uh, you know, the feeling of you just want to just tear someone's hair out. You just want to punch him right in the nose. And, and all of us have been there. And wrath is another work of the flesh, anger and action. And all these things fall under the big umbrella the umbrella we're going to talk about next week when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. All these things violate self-control. We'll talk about the positive side of all these things next week, or not all of them, but some of them. And then we have strife. The word strife means to rival. It originally came from a hard day's work. And the idea is here that people who have to always have strife, they work at strife. You ever know somebody that just loves to not get along? This is a funny story. I was preaching at a church in this area. You would all know the church years ago. 
Brother Ron had asked me to come preach, and I preached. And, and uh, a lady came up to me and said, I have a bone to pick with you, Dan, Brother Dan. And Charles and Joanne Tabor, my dear friends, were with me. She said, you preached at Memorial directly at me. I said, I did. You preached, and I know you were targeting me. You, I said, what was I preaching? She said, you were preaching about the contentious woman. And thought, you're being contentious right now. But I don't remember targeting her, but I preached a three-point sermon on the odious, contentious, and brawling woman. But there are people who love strife. They're the first ones, if there's a prominent church, well, I'll tell you what I think about that. I don't know anybody here that does that. But beware, that's a sin of the flesh. And we can easily find ourselves being like that, being in a mode of always wanting to rival. I joked one time and talked about the lady who fought with the neighbors just to keep in practice till her husband got home. That, that's the kind of idea. <laughs> Strife, you just have to have it. People thrive on it. I like to avoid controversy. And I'll have some in this church maybe coming up and I'll have to deal with it. But I, I'd like to avoid it, but some people thrive on it. Thrive on it. They always want something to complain about. They want contention. They love it. They live for it. It's a work of the flesh. Next, seditions. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3, and you know this passage well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. Let's see how this word seditions is translated. In 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, it's the same Greek word. And you know the word. For ye are yet carnal, 3.3. Carnal is the same word as the word flesh, isn't it? You know that. Greek word is translated carnal and flesh. For ye, it's the word sarx. For ye are carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife, and what's the next word? And divisions. Same word, divisions. This word here we find here listed here in Galatians, seditions, not seditions, seditions, yes, excuse me, I said it, is translated divisions. It means to complain. I mean, God opened the whole earth up and swallowed people who complained too much. The Old Testament uses the word murmur. But the word division is a good translation of that, as is seditions. And we're told in 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to say, don't take sides with me or with Apollos. You know what we do sometimes? We, 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 we see a divided church coming or a divided relationship or a divided Sunday school class. I hope we don't have that on the horizon, but what we do is we want to take sides. I'm of Paul. Well, I'm not on Paul's side. I'm on Apollos' side. And what does 1 Corinthians say? Don't be on either side. Do what's right. Do what's right. And sometimes it means to reconcile people. Now think about that. Let, let's just pretend. I'm, I'm going to come off the stage here for a moment. And let's just pretend that Randy Hedrick has a problem with David Jenkins here. Come on, Randy, stand up, will you? Are you still young enough to walk over here? Man? Yeah. Let me help you over here. Here's my job as a reconciler. And this is the job of everyone in the church. I want you guys, I want you guys to forgive each other. Yeah, I want you to get over this. Both of you have been wrong, and I want you both to do the right thing. Now you see, here's the thing. You can sit down now, Randy. <laughs> here's the thing, folks. Too many times we'll go to Randy and say, I know, I don't like David over there. I agree with you. He's a jerk. And or we'll go over to David and say, I don't like Randy. That is so sinful. These six things doth the Lord hate, and ye seven are abomination in him. And it goes on to say, he that soweth discord among the brethren. 
We're all given the ministry of reconciliation. We're supposed to reconcile sinners to God, and we're supposed to reconcile broken relationships. Don't drive a wedge between those guys. They've got a problem. Bring them together and tell them both where they're wrong. That takes guts, but that's leadership, and that's what God wants. He doesn't want divisions. He hates it. He hates it. He wants us to, to agree. If two people can't agree, they can't walk together. And so we don't need seditions. That's the word. Divisions in the church. We need unity, and we strive for that. So if you know somebody in your family, you have two cousins, and their, their relationship's broken, you need to reconcile them. Get them together. Just say, I know you guys are going to get mad at me. I've asked you to both come here. didn't tell you the other one was coming because you wouldn't have shown up. But I'm here to tell you, you guys need to end this thing. It's gone on long enough. It's causing division in the family. Can you not forgive each other? That's our calling. First of all, we're sinners to God, but our calling is brethren. Throughout Scripture, unity. Yet we have constant division. Next, we find the word heresies. It's a word translated sect in Acts 5.17. Think of all the false teachings today in our world. I get so riled up over it. I spend a lot of time studying Scripture. I want to make sure I've got it right. And if I don't, I'll, I, I was talking about uh, Noah being in the ark for a year, or, or I can't remember. I got something backwards. I think I said he took him 120 years to build the ark. He's... No, uh, yeah, it took 120 years to build the ark, but I think I said something backwards there. And I thought, what in the world was I talking about? I hate anything to be wrong. And it really bothers me when people teach false doctrine to fill their pockets with money or to build a harem. How many of those false teachers do we know? I've got distant relatives. They were a kind of a cult. And they slept with the band members and all this stuff. Distant relatives, I won't tell you who. Far, far distant, okay? Long ways away. Uh, but anyway, and I see that all the time. Uh, recently, they had a thing on, on, on the news and about this, this cult, and this guy starts this church. The church ends up being a cult, and he's got all these teenage girls that he's sleeping with. Some of them are pregnant. Think of Jim Jones, what did he do? False doctrine leads to false deeds. Study Nicolaus in, in Revelation. He had false doctrine. He also had bad, bad doctrine and bad deeds. And so we know it's a problem. We know it's a problem. And, and the morals, bad morals always go back, go on with bad doctrine, go along with bad doctrine. Then envying, envying. We want what others have. Now, quite often people say, oh, he's jealous. he's jealous of me. No, he's envious of you. Jealousy is you're controlling your own things. Envy is you want something someone else has. And envy is another sin we could talk about. That, that would preach for an hour. Then back to 1 John 3.15, we talk about murder. Murder. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15. For sake of time, I'm going to... Uh, read this verse when I get there. 1 John 3.15, listen to what it says. For whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. We already talked about hatred before, and now we find out if we hate someone, we're as good as committing murder. Then we talk next for a moment about, about the next one is the word drunkenness. A strong, strong word. Someone who gets wasted, and it's a serious word. Be not drunk with wine, but be what? 
filled with the Spirit. The word filled means to be controlled. Love what Moody said. Moody had an audience listening, and he said, he's explaining the truth about uh, our lives. He, he demonstrated the principle of being full of the Spirit. He said, tell me, he said to his audience, how can I get the air out of this container? And someone said, you, you, can, you can put a vacuum on it and suck the air out. Moody said, well, that would shatter the container. So he's allowing them to guess. And finally, Moody just took a pitcher of water and filled the container up, and all the air was gone. And he said, that's the Holy Spirit in our lives. If he's full, if he's controlling us and we're full of him, we won't be doing the works of the flesh. What did, what did Paul say here in verse 16 of Galatians? He said here, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you have the Holy Spirit guiding you day in and day out, you're not going to work the works of the flesh. And then the last one he says is revelings, revelings. Same as translated, uh, it's translated rioting in Romans 13, 13. It's actually an interesting word. It's a Greek word. I tell you Greek words when you know them, but this one you don't know. It's the word comus, and that's the name of a a god of the Romans, a god of gluttony and drunkenness. You know, I, years ago I knew a preacher that always preached against smoking, and I remember one time he was preaching against smoking. The next week he bragged on how much fried chicken he'd eaten that day or the day before. Or, or you know, we preached against smoking and, or, or whatever, and, and you know, we, we find ourselves, another preacher I knew said, oh, I eat Oreos by the bag. And yet we preach against it, and then we're hypocritical because gluttony is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. Reveling is a sin. And we seem to just think it's okay. We think it's a minor sin. But let me tell you something. The quality of your life is impaired. You know, we're not going to change the date of our departure. God has that on his calendar. But, but I don't want to live a miserable life because I ate myself into a heart attack and a stroke or whatever, and so quality of life does matter. God wants to live a, us to live a good quality of life, and it means to take care of our bodies. And he says here, in the ver next, in verse, eight, verse 20, excuse me, we'll finish the verse, he says here, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before. Anything that's similar, he says, that's included. As I told you before, and look what he says here, as I have also told you in the past that they which do, that word do market because that means to continue to practice it. Do we all overeat sometimes? Oh, you know we do. Do we all get upset sometimes? You know we do. You know, it's interesting. We're never called a sinner in Scripture after we're saved. We tell lies, but we're not ever called liars in the Bible. Maybe you've committed fornication. The Bible doesn't call you a fornicator. You're a saint. God sees the blood applied to your life, and you're a saint. Now, he'll whip you when you step out of line, and he won't allow you to continue in sin. You need to confess those sins and do your best to avoid any of those sins. I mean, you know, I told you my battle. I, I, I love eating. I think it should be a sport. <laughs> I'd be maybe close to being an All-American. But I know it's wrong, and I always talk about myself. But maybe you can find one of these works of the flesh in your life that are wrong and, and realize you're wrong for doing it. But it says here, those that practice, those that do, and that's the word continuous in the, in the original language, do not inherit 
the kingdom of God. Sinners go to hell. If you practice these things, you need to check your salvation. Because I said you won't inherit the kingdom. I'm already, already an heir. And God's not going to allow me to practice any of these things. He's going to turn me over his knee. I'm an heir. I'm a child of God. Amen. I'm not going to hell. But I, I, could, I could be like a sinner and, and, and try to practice these things and God will whip me. But it says they do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is a literal thousand-year reign to come. Right now it's a spiritual kingdom. Did you know you're part of the kingdom of God if you're saved? You are. It's a spiritual kingdom. One day it will be a physical kingdom for a thousand years. Do you participate in these works of the flesh? Confess it and turn from it. Do you practice these things? Then you need to get saved. You need to get saved. Or God, if you are saved, he's not going to let you go very much longer without whipping you. I hate the chastening of the Lord, but I know whom the Lord loveth. We learned that a few weeks ago. I don't want to be under his chastening hand. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I challenge you to come. If you're a Christian and you've been struggling with these things, and I know every one of you have, but if you, if you struggled this week or you've been struggling, come forward and ask God to help you. Don't be too proud to come to the altar and say, Lord, I need help. I'm really struggling. I'll come to the altar when I need to, when you need to come and pray. You know what happens when you come and pray? Everybody prays with you, and there are seats. Hopefully they're not judging you. They're saying, Lord, help him. Lord, help him. Our God is a patient God. He's a perfect God. He never commits any of these things. He came here for 33 and a half years and set a perfect example. I want to be like Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. We ask you to bless our invitation. Speak to hearts. Lord, I don't know the hearts here, but you do. Help the ones who are not honest with themselves to realize they have a sin problem. Not to be narcissistic to excuse it or justify their sin, but to admit, I've got a sin problem. And Lord, maybe there's someone here who has one of these things specifically going on in their life. I just pray they'll confess it. But Lord, most of all, if there's someone here who's not saved, never trusted Jesus as Savior, I pray today they come. Bless now in Jesus' name, amen.